0: remind yourself, just show up. It's amazing if you just show up, what else happens? It's almost like, not to sound like a hippie yoga teacher, but the universe provides when you show up.
1: How do you launch your own podcast and build an engaged audience all while raising kids during a pandemic? Meet Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sitaro of Montourage and learn the candid story of how they are building their media company from the ground up. From their start as co-hosts of Scary Mommy to starting the Montourage podcast exactly one year ago, they share hilarious and real insights into how they balance it all and how you can too. Coming up. You'll hear more about Carrie and Ashley's backgrounds prior to becoming the co-hosts of the Scary Mommy podcast and the value of hustling right out of the gate. How they set ground rules in their business partnership before becoming fast friends. Sitting down and defining the vision for momtourage after leaving Scary Mommy. The best tips for starting your own podcast, including coming up with a unique voice and learning how to use your equipment the importance of consistency when releasing content and why this will make you more attractive to sponsors, the reality of being a mom while running a business and why it helps to have a business partner that is also a mama Pernisa. And finally, the importance of sticking with it and showing up. Ashley, Carrie, I am so excited to finally sit down with the two of you. We had such a great time on your podcast a few months ago, and I'm really looking forward to sharing your story and journey with our audience. So welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much for having us. I mean, I've told you this, I've shared this with you, but I have been listening to entrepreneurs for years at this point, way before I was a mom and way before Momtourage was even a thing. And I just thought... I'll never be able to be on that show, so I'm really excited. (laughs) Well,
1: we are so glad to have you here, and we really haven't talked much about building podcasts and a media company on our podcast with our guests before, so I know that the two of you can shed some incredible insight to our listeners who are thinking about starting a podcast or building a media company, so let's backtrack a bit. I want to hear a little bit about both of your backgrounds and really your career journeys, and what led you to where you are today. So, Carrie, do you want to start?
0: Sure. So, I was originally a TV and film actor. I went to theater school, the whole big deal theater school kind of thing, and did strangely well right out of the bat. I thought it was going to be like that forever. It wasn't. Booked a TV show right away, bunches of the TV shows, did Broadway theater, did that about for like 15, 20 years almost, always doing voiceover as well, commercials, other stuff in between gigs. And then I just was not happy. Like I achieved a lot of the goals that I had wanted to achieve and I still just wasn't feeling happy. So I had started to do yoga to try to find, you know, for all sorts of reasons for, I'd been doing yoga for a while for injuries, but started to do like the more spiritual path of yoga. And I decided I was going to take a break from the business for a little while and just do other stuff, still keeping up with commercials and voiceover. And I just didn't want to go back too much, but I really missed the storytelling aspect of acting. That was what I liked best about it. I was like a medium performer, like I, I liked, I didn't like it medium. That's what I meant. I'm definitely a performer, but I only medium-liked performing, but I liked (laughs) the storytelling part of it. And that's what I loved about voiceover, too, is that it was less about what you look like and more about your talent and the story that you could tell with your voice. And then we'll get into it, but the scary mommy thing happened right after I just had a baby, and it just seemed like the really right fit because... I had wanted to tell a little bit more about my specific journey to have a kid and having my kid and was trying to figure the right platform to do that. And it kind of fell into my lap and it seemed like a use of all my skills and the voiceover, you know, storytelling, on camera stuff, and then being a mom. So I really kind of fell into it, but that's what I was doing before, teaching yoga and meditation and doing the whole film, Broadway theater, TV voiceover cartoon stuff.
1: That is such an incredible story and and background that you have. And I feel like when you are an actor, you really are running your own business at that time. A hundred percent.
0: That was one thing I was really happy that my school did. They focused on the business aspect of it. A lot of theater schools do not. Where did you go to and- school? Mason Grove School, of the Performing Arts at Rutgers University, and then the London Academy of Theatre in London at the Globe Theatre, Shakespeare Theatre.
1: That's great that they taught business skills in. In I college. mean, let me, yeah. let me
0: let me let <laughs> me just. It was like theater business skills. It's not really business skills. <laughs> like they should have taught us like uh, financial stuff, but they did. T- so let me just be clear about it math, was not, is like, <laughs> math is still hard. Math is so hard. I've had to do. But one of the smartest things i ever did and it actually led me to get my first job which was huge which was a soap opera regular on a soap opera was they're like you need to intern for free while you're still in college two days a week for either a casting agent a theater agent so that you can learn what they're looking for mm. you can learn what breakdowns look like you can see how actors treat the industry. And I did that for a year and a half. And I actually, before I graduated from college, they signed me, which they probably shouldn't have done. But a breakdown, which is what they call in the industry, came in for a person that was not in their roster of what they had available. And I happened to fit it. So they're like, do you want to go? We don't have anybody for this audition. Do you want to go on it? And I ended up booking it.
1: That's amazing. And so then I was
0: guaranteed. I was signed with them by the time I graduated. And I it really taught me how to be like a good businesswoman for acting, not for anything else, but I've since parlayed and taken classes and whatever. But that was really helpful to me to get and that has, we'll talk about it probably some more but that has been the theme throughout is that find a mentor find someone be truthful and say i don't know how to do this and find people that are willing to help you and don't be afraid to do all of the shit work part of my French because you really need to know how to do everything in order to have your own business, because you can't always depend on people and you are your own best worker because you care about it. And so learn how to do it from the ground up. Even if later you job out those other jobs, know how to do it yourself.
1: Yeah, that is such good advice. And, you know, I actually always talk about how my theater background, cause I grew up doing musical theater when I was a kid, even into, you know, high school. And just the experience performing and being on stage helped me in business when we launched social fly, because I was used to standing up and talking in front of large crowds from when I was a small child. Absolutely. Yeah. So memorization, skills, yeah. So absolutely. Ashley, yeah. I would love to hear a little bit about your background. And then how did the two of you meet? I want to hear this backstory.
2: So my background, similar to Carrie, I was a performer my whole life, not professionally, just it was like what I was into as a kid. And when it came time for college, which I really didn't want to go to my parents were like, you're not going for theater like tough noogies, it's not happening. You need to have a real degree, you know, a real degree is what they called it. So I thought the next best thing that I love is television and film production. So I went to Marymount Manhattan for TV and film production. And while I was there, because I didn't really want to go to school, I really tried to do internships and get a lot of like real world experience. So my last semester of college, I interned at the Martha Stewart show, the new one, not living the daytime talk show that she had. And I just, I hustled, you know, like I really, I wasn't an intern who just like sat around. I was like, really like, okay, what else can I do? Like there was one weekend they offered me like a hundred bucks to come in and log footage. And I was like, yep, you got it. Like anything to kind of just get my feet wet and really learn about what went into making television. So I ended up, turning that into a job on the show. And I was there for four years and I was, I ended up being the talent coordinator, which basically my boss was the booker, would book all the celebrities that came on the show. And then I handled all of the logistics. I was the liaison between them and the producer of the segment. And when they got there, I was their glorified butler. So (laughs) it was fun. It was cool. I got to meet all kinds of like different people. I have fun party stories And in between there, I worked on the Wendy Williams startup. That was like a five-week sneak peek. They tested it in like five markets. I went back after that summer to Martha because you get summers off usually in daytime television. And I left Martha after four or five years to go to Wendy. I was there for about six months and it was such a different show. It was... There were a lot of days I was in work at six 30 in the morning and I didn't get home till 11 o'clock at night. And I never saw my family. And there were a lot of things that went into the culture of that show specifically. And by that, I mean the corporate culture. And I was just like, I really always wanted to be in front of the camera. Like what the hell am I doing with myself? So I gave them two months notice and I quit. And I moved back in with my parents and I was like, I'm going to pursue acting professionally.
1: How old were you at this time?
2: 23, 24. No, I had to be like 25 because I had already met my husband. We weren't dating, but we had met. So I just was like, I'm just going to do it. And, you know, any actor will tell you I wasn't getting, I was like, I'm perfect for this. Let me go out and get this job. And it doesn't happen like that. And, you know, I would get some things, but nothing huge. I didn't get see any of the success that Carrie saw. And I decided, you know what? I have all this production experience. And I know that my ultimate, ultimate goal is to like be an Andy Cohen. That was my ultimate goal was to be an executive at a network and develop shows and be in front of the camera and all of that. So the first thing I did was there was a play I always thought I was perfect for called Pizza Man, which is a really dark play about two women in the seventies who have just like had it with everything. And they decided to take the revenge out on life by raping their pizza man. It's very dark, but it is very funny. And so <laughs> it was um, perfect for me. It was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I saved up money. I got some investors, my parents. I rented a black box right off Broadway and I put it up for a weekend. I, you know, got a dress. I did everything. I got the rights to it, did everything made some money, was able to pay people. And then from there, moved to LA. That was kind of like a bust, moved back. And then it was like, well, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, let's fish or cut bait. You know, you don't want to like work on a TV show and be behind the camera. You know, you want to be in front of the camera. Acting isn't what you want to do. And I was like, well, I've always loved hosting or the idea of hosting. I didn't have a reel. And when my son was born, I was like, I'm just going to start. No one wants to give me this opportunity. So I'm just going to make it for myself. And I started an Instagram docu-series about my area of Hudson County, New Jersey, and all the businesses and the places and all that stuff. It was me and my friend. We both did everything ourselves. We did it for free And I just like really tried to hustle and put a reel together and and really get like some hosting experience under my belt. And from there, Scary Mommy found me and, you know, the rest is history.
1: What was it like when Scary Mommy reached out to you?
2: Oh, my God. It was like, finally, finally, I've done as much as I can. You know, I felt like I had hit a wall. It was like I'm doing the work. I'm here. I'm working for free, which in our industry, you know, I feel like a lot of people who are probably listening to this are like work for free in our industry. There's a lot of that. And there's a lot of like having to do that to build up experience. And even when you get to a certain point, my husband works on films And he works with like real name actors. And there's a lot of projects that they do for really little money, just because they believe in the project and want to be associated with it. So, you know, that's something you kind of have to be willing to do. And it was just like, is this my life? Do I just keep doing this? So when they found me, it was just like, okay, the stars are aligning. Now's the time. Like, let's do this shit. And then we got fired and it was heartbreaking. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, we'll tell me about that. So now you start working for Scary Mommy, and that's how the two of you met, right? Yes.
2: Carrie, you're better at telling that story, so you tell it. Okay, so the way that they found Ashley
0: was through Hudson County 60. So that was, they like reached out to her. I don't really know. There was a whole process that happened before they were looking for me. They had been like, I guess, looking online and they found Ashley. She had gone through a bunch of auditions. By the time it got to me, I had a friend who on her like mommy group saw a posting looking for real life best friends to do this podcast. And I had been with my real best friend at the time, Valerie, doing like short 15 minute yoga for moms with her. She has triplets and then another kid. She's my IVF friend. So we were trying to like, it was funny, we were trying to do yoga with two busted bodies with like a bunch of kids. And we made these YouTube videos. And so, This friend knew me and she was like, oh my God, those YouTube videos, you guys should do it. This is like what they're looking for. So I like literally that day just make a quick video with my best friend. I was at her house anyway and I submit it and we're like, yeah, whatever, we'll see. And I know she's an actress too. We get called 15 minutes after sending that video. Like, shoot, hey, can you come in for an audition? We're like, okay. So me and my actual best friend Valerie go in and audition. Ashley was there. Evidently, I was really bitchy to her and to everybody else. She was.
2: I was. And then... But I disarmed you like I always do with the bitches.
0: You really were. You were so nice. I was like, ew, she's so nice. What is she getting at? Um, She just was nice. So then we got called back and they mentioned that we might be separated. And I was like, oh, they want that girl, Ashley. And they're trying to figure out who to pair her with. So me and my best friend were like, whatever happens, we love each other. We just want the best for each other. We've been best friends for a long time. And it ended up that Ashley and I booked it together, and then they were like medium low key. You have to pretend you're best friends.
2: You say that all the time. I feel like that wasn't really said. It was the implication, right? Was it? I sad? feel like Did they said, that? yeah, they
0: said that. Okay. Like, yeah. Oh. And anytime we would like mention, they'd be like edited around it or whatever. So it was supposed to be two best friends. But honestly, we didn't have to fake it for long because. We did a whole, like, pre-tape. They were doing this whole, like, publicity sort of stuff ahead of the show. And we had this long photo shoot one day. And I disarmed her with my dirty direct talk. I'm just a very open, direct, dirty talker. Not in a sexual way, like, to her. Just like, I'm just like a shoot-the-shit dirty talker. And we were, like, fast friends. We exchanged numbers that day. And we're like, we should talk on the regular. If we're supposed to be friends, we should actually... Get to be friends, aside from when we show up from work. Because above all, you should know, above all, Ashley and I, separately and together, are two of the biggest hustler, hard workers you will ever meet. And we don't half-ass anything. Like, there is no. nothing that we do. We're go big or go home kind of girls.
1: Except I
2: our parenting.
1: It. I love right?
0: it. <laughs> well, we're sort of going home instead of going yeah. big with that one. So it's like the other way.
1: Well, we'll get um, we'll get to all the parenting stuff in just a yeah. moment. <laughs>
0: And so it really organically turned into an actual friendship pretty quickly. So it's not like we had to fake it for very long. But, you know, one of the things that I think makes us amazing business people as well as friends, because that doesn't work out a lot, is that we sort of made a commitment at the very beginning of Scary Mommy that we would be business partners and whatever it would take Even though at the time we were hired talent from Scary Mommy and now we work for ourselves with our own business, it was like we are what is gonna make this work. And so whatever we need to do behind the scenes to make this work, we are willing to do. And so we sort of had this thing where we're like, we'll always be honest with each other. We'll always say when something isn't working for us. And we kind of set these ground rules before we were best of best friends. And I really like, I'm so thankful that we set those ground rules ahead of all the emotional stuff that we have attached now, because it's even made our friendship Our friendship is underneath those same rules. And so to go backwards is a little bit hard sometimes. I still think you should do it. But we made a commitment above everything to have our professional lives work. And then we became best friends. And it's happened to work out really well for us.
1: That's so smart. And in business, communication and setting expectations and boundaries is key. So that is such great advice for people who are thinking about starting a business together, or if you're already in business together, having those conversations. And I can share, you know, for Courtney and myself, we ended up working with a business coach to help us with a lot of these things because we had started our business extremely young. I mean, Courtney was 23, I think it was 27 when we started Fly, And, you don't know a lot when you're starting a business when you're that young, but what you shared is so valuable. I had a business with another business partner prior to this, and we had not done that.
0: Yep. And so I kind of learned the hard way that trying to go back and have those conversations, however valuable, is harder. It's sort of like, it's a terrible comparison, but sort of like my friends who are married and then are going to get a divorce. I'm like, talk about what would happen if you got a divorce while you're still married and try to get some things down in writing so that when the divorce happens, you were your best selves when you made those choices instead of after the fact, when there's the messiness, like it's so horrible to think about getting divorced when you're married, but it's better to do these things when you're your best self than it is when the
1: shit is hitting the fan. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Coming up, you'll hear how to build an engaged audience using social media. All right. So I want to hear a little bit more about the dynamics between the two of you. So now you are growing this successful empire of momtourage. How do you figure out, you know, who's doing what, how are you dividing and conquering?
2: We kind of did that from the very beginning when the podcast was kind of like not a thing for us anymore. They just were going in a different direction. I said fired before. We weren't really fired. I continue to still work for them. They still call her in for things. I was being melodramatic, but... uh, It's more fun to say fired. It really is. And that's what it felt like that day. But anyway, so we really just decided these things beforehand as similar as we are in certain things we're very very different i'm very type a she's kind of like throw everything against the wall and see what sticks you know i had certain realms of expertise she has certain realms of expertise so it was really just like okay we need to do this and i'll handle i'll handle that and you need to do this because you're good at that and we'll handle it so we really just kind of learned, you know, discussed what needed to be done, who's good at it, and went with that. And then when one of us is like, needs the other one to pick up some slack because of they're overwhelmed or whatever, we just communicate that. And the other one always steps up to the plate.
0: I was gonna say another, I think, important thing, if I can just add on that, is that when we were first moving from, you know, the Scary Mommy podcast to our own podcast, we did have like a little meeting where we're like, what did we like about the Scary Mommy experience? What were we missing or what did we feel like we weren't able to do? And then what is our overall vision? Like in an ideal world, what is it that you want to do? Now, granted, a lot of the jobs that we have to do now are not our ideal world jobs. Like some of the crap work has to be done. But we did talk about like what in an ideal world, when this is like fully up, what are our roles going to be? And then we tried as best we can to fulfill that need in each other, even in these seedling startup phases, because that's really the juice that keeps you going when things are hard is that you're, you feel like you're doing a little of that thing that is your end game thing. So we try as best we can, even in this, like, you're better at this. You know how to do this. I don't even know how to do this. So let's divvy it up. We still try to honor
1: what it is that we want to be doing in the end. What is your vision for Momtourage?
2: I think eventually we really would like to have a podcast network slash, you know, media company. I feel like it always kind of comes back to podcast. Carrie, you can agree or disagree with me. I mean, I, for me, my passion is really the on-camera stuff. Podcasting is not anything I ever really honestly had any interest in doing. But then when the scary mommy thing happened, I was, I love this. This is great. It's the same thing. You just don't see me, which is even better. (laughs) I can come in and sweatpants and no one knows. But I think that's really, you know, the idea is to eventually have a show, something on a network or streaming, not Facebook live and something where we can just always be ourselves, always play because play is so important to both of us in our careers and make money. (laughs) Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I was gonna say one of the things
0: that we got to do at Scary Mommy that we're not able to do right now is we did a lot of red carpet interviews and Ashley and I really loved doing that. We both are E-true, e Bravo, like we love that kind of thing. And so we couldn't ask the questions we always wanted to ask. So, in an ideal world, it would be like an Andy Cohen. We would have a podcast network where we'd help. I do think, and I do want to talk about this a little more, maybe in another question, but I think we're really good at knowing what works, finding talent and being able to like find niches. Like, we both have our both unique talents separately, help us. Curate is such a hipster word, but curate and cultivate and figure out the niches and the ways. We've been around the block enough that I think having a network, we would be really good heads of a podcast network to help grow new talent, figure around, you know, all that kind of stuff. And of course, still keep our podcast, but we would like to do more Andy Cohen on camera style stuff. So like a Regis and Kelly kind of thing or a red carpet kind of thing where we're still doing like variety show. Yeah. Whatever we do for Facebook Live, but on a grander scale, because we do miss doing some of those fun kind of celeb interviews. We we found out we're really good at talking to people and that we're ballsy. And so we like doing that more
1: too. You definitely are. So let's talk a little bit about building your audience and growing your audience. When did that first episode of Mom Tourage launch?
0: it'll be almost a year so it was the 26th of January although we had been working on it I'm sorry 26th of February although we had been working on it since January like figuring out our since voice December. You know, yeah a lot goes into starting a podcast you would be surprised one that you want to be successful not just one you want to try out let's put it that way so we had to figure out our unique voice we had to do all sorts of technical stuff, like figure out the between segment zings and intro and outro, music, all that other kind of stuff. Come up with and a name.
2: Con- Coming yeah, up con- with a was name hard. was like a hard one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Content, you know, all that stuff. And then we had to build a like little teaser to pre-launch And I had really wanted to launch out of the gate with a bunch of episodes in the can so that people could binge. People like to binge. so We we learned that from
1: Netflix, right?
0: (laughs) Yes. So releasing a couple at the same time, if it's not a season versus, you know, the podcasts work in two ways. They're like every week or a season all at once. So if you're not working in a season where everything goes at once, sometimes it's very useful to launch a couple episodes at the same time in the beginning so people can get a feel for you. Some people don't, but we found that to be useful.
1: Yeah. Any other tips you can share for our listeners who are thinking about starting a podcast for either their business or because they want to become content creators like yourselves and build a media empire,
2: have an outline that you work off of because as great as it is to sit there and ramble and stuff, it's great to you, but most other people don't want to just hear you talk on and on and on with no point and no direction. And also invest in some halfway decent equipment. It doesn't have to be superb, but something that sounds good and learn how to use, you know, like learn the basic things. I don't think you need to be an expert. I don't think you need to hire somebody right off the bat, but it like care that it sounds good and that people want to listen. Truly.
0: And that that people maybe, a lot of podcasts don't edit. We feel very strongly for the most part, most of that doesn't work for a podcast. This is our opinion that some podcasts work like that, especially ones that come out every day. It's much harder. But if you're only releasing an episode once a week and maybe even twice a week, people don't always want to (laughs) hear what happens in the middle. Like just edit a little. You don't even have to edit like a ton. But you are trying to have a product that will eventually make money only a very few podcasts can get away with the non-editing and the rambling and i think even some of them once they get bigger they do edit although they try to make it sound like they don't but like you're trying to create a product that's an end game you are your product like the ashley and i are really good at knowing you are your product because the businesses we've always been in we are the product so you got to package that product the most desirable way for it to get to the audience that you want. And I listen to kids ramble on all day. I don't need that in my <laughs> podcast.
1: Well, that is a great segue for talking about building audience and building your personal brand. So now you launched your first episode, February 26th of 2020. 20, is that correct? Oh, God. 20, what a oh, year. Little did the week, we know. The week before the world changed.
2: 2020. How... It was
1: a vintage Oh my gosh. How did you attract your audience when you first launched? How did you get your first listeners?
2: I mean, honestly, we were hoping that people, Scary Mommy did this interesting thing where they never promoted us personally, which really limited us. They would like show videos. We were never tagged in it. Which, you know, I get that they're protecting their brand and everything, but when it came time for us to start our podcast, that was very difficult. We couldn't take over the RSS feed. There were a lot of things that were standing in our way. So we really had to like bootstrap it. We started a social media, I'm sorry, an Instagram, that was like social media. (laughs) Uh, We started an Instagram account. Ashley's Um, over 30 because she said, we started a social media. (laughs) We started an Instagram account and we just like tried our best to get it out, you know, because I was still booking for Scary Mommy. I've booked for so many years. I was able to get us some pretty great guests right off the bat, like Emily Tish Sussman. That was a really I think she was our first guest. Right. And she was pretty big time, has a great big podcast. that's like people listen to. So that was really, that's the best word of advice we have. Somebody was kind enough to go on Scary Mommy's podcast and was like, hey guys, they have a new podcast. I don't know who that was. (laughs) It's
1: it's a testament to building relationships and the importance of your network and asking for things and not things to ask.
0: I would also like to add, let me just tell you, Nothing that a whole bottle of red wine and insomnia can't do for you because I set some personal goals of like, I'm going to like and follow and comment on every person. And I set personal goals. I actually was like, you do this. I was like, okay. I was like, we're going to get to this many number. And then we're going to get to this many number. And then we're going to get to this many number. And for a long time, it was just me and my insomnia searching and searching for mom content and liking and commenting and trying to just grow that Instagram following in hopes that it would translate into listens. And did it
2: work?
1: I think
0: it, so. It's been working. Yeah. yeah. It's been great. working. It was bad for my teeth because of <laughs> all that red wine. But other than that, I think it is working.
1: <laughs> and how about monetizing your podcast and media brands? How do you go about doing that? Or how have you been going about doing that? You tell 70. me, Saturday.
2: Yeah, I was going to say- You want all in the, of our
1: secrets, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: In the interest of full disclosure, like we're still figuring that out. Yeah. You know, there's so much, they say it takes one to two years for more like two years for a podcast to really start making some money. And again, because of Social Fly, you would know this, but in terms of influencers, you know, even when influencers aren't paid, part of their payment is in actual product. Right. So we're good at that. We're definitely we work a lot on trade right now with big companies. You know, we've worked with like Bobby Brown, Hey Mama, Ruggish, Wanderlust, you know, pretty big, notable things. So now it's just getting to the monetization aspect. So we'll take your tips if you've got. We make a little bit of money
0: through commercials, through a podcast hosting company. But our numbers are just steadily going up in listens and subscribership. So we're right at the cusp of starting to be able to be pitched to make that bigger commercial money. But it's taken a while to get those numbers up there and stay up there. And personally, I'm very proud that in under a year, totally self-started with like no help we've gotten to the point where we are now, and we're starting to see a little money come in, but it has not been, wasn't like all of a sudden you're just like, and now we're making money.
1: Yeah, no, and and it takes time. No, it takes time. And look, when we started Entrepreneista, you know, we just set out to create really great content to help women business owners and leaders and inspire women to want to start businesses and have the tools and resources and tips and learn from everyone else's lessons along the way. And that's why we set out to create entrepreneurista and we didn't have any monetization strategy when we started because that's not why we initially started the podcast we just wanted to create this really great content now two plus years in you know we are building entrepreneurista as a full media company because we have this incredible audience we have this Amazing content, and we have a lot of brands who want to connect with our listeners and our audience. So, definitely, you know, the same tips as you. The first year really is building really great content that people care about and they want to consume and they want to listen to it because when they become your brand advocates and they want to consume that content, now when you go reach out to brands, they're going to want to be in front of your audience because your audience trusts you and they listen to you. So, You guys are doing, you know, all of the right things, and your audience will continue to grow because they love you and you're authentic and you're telling it like it is.
0: (laughs) We think so. I would just say another like podcasting tip is continuity is key. Like, no one wants to give you money if you're not producing a quality episode. Whatever your time frame is, weekly, seasonally, whatever it is, you really need to hit those marks and hit them all the time. If you're going to take a break, it better be a short one and you better tell people, right? So no person wants to invest in you if it this is a fly-by-night because a lot of people start a podcast and never get past like 20 episodes or the content starts getting bad. They need to know that you're going to be able to regularly, with continuity and quality, produce a show that is interesting over a long period of time. And so you really need to just keep showing up and doing the work at a really good level and have to be down to do that. If you want to do a podcast, there's plenty of reasons people do a podcast that's not for money, then just go ahead, do it, right? But if you really want to make it a business, Quality and continuity is really important. I mean, it is isn't everything you do, I think, but because there are so many podcasts and it is relatively easy to do some kind of podcast, not necessarily on a larger level, but, you know, people fizz out and stuff like that. So it's
1: important. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Setting that schedule is absolutely key. Yeah. Up next How Carrie and Ashley balance motherhood and running momtourage and a rapid fire Q&A. All right. I have some rapid fire questions for you. So we're (laughs) going to jump in. You don't have any time to think about the answers. How about Carrie, you'll answer first and then Ashley, you answer right after and you each answer each question. Ready? Here we go. Your favorite quarantine snack.
2: Doritos, Cool Ranch. Reese's, peanut butter cups, or any Yum. kind of peanut butter cup. <laughs> Actually, answers. alcohol, tequila, tequila, i change, tequila. <laughs>
1: tequila and Reese's, okay. Yeah. yeah. Carrie, someone you've always wanted to meet? Drew Barrymore.
2: My God, why is this so, I mean, I've met them. Adam Sandler, love of my life. Good one too,
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, if you could travel anywhere in the world right now, there's no pandemic and you can get on a plane, where are you going?
2: Puerto Rico. The trip that we're planning is New Orleans. Ooh, what is the best
1: thing that's happened to you this month?
0: God, the month just started. My daughter is not a jerk this month. She's like her best version of herself. And she's talking in full sentences and it's adorable. So she's like been a god is this month. So that's the best thing.
2: I'm not going to go by like it's February. I'm going to go by like the 30 days. And I'm going to say we've got a new president and he knows what he's doing somewhat. So that's great. <laughs> All right, Carrie, describe Ashley in three words. Hysterical, attitude in the best
0: way. That's more than one word, but I'm just saying attitude in the best way fiercely dedicated.
2: I am going to say bold. She's very bold. Also hysterical. Sorry, I have to. And very confident. <laughs> <I got
1: it. laughs> Carrie, what is the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them over Zoom?
2: Probably their teeth. Actually, just general demeanor and attitude, I'd say. I don't know why I always look at teeth. I'm like, let me see those teeth. <laughs> <laughs> What
1: is the one thing that you are most afraid of?
2: Oh, boy. Um, Going to jail or getting lost in space. Those are mine. Ooh. I know, so weird. I guess seeing my loved ones suffer.
1: And what is one thing that you wish you could be good at?
0: I wish I was a good artist, that I could, like, actually draw and paint. And I also sort of wish I was good at math. (laughs) I feel like that's the
2: useful one that I would be good at. But other than that, yeah, painting. Sewing. I really wish I could sew because I think I would make incredible clothing.
1: Hmm. Wow. See, I think I need to do this segment at the beginning of the episode now so I can really get to know everything.
0: (laughs) I like that. I like that quick fire. That was good.
1: Yeah, that was fun. I want to hear a little bit about your both of your experiences. Being a mom, running a business. I personally know it is not easy. And a lot of times people make it look very glamorous on Instagram. I know the two of you like to really give. Behind the scenes of what it really looks like, but how has it been for you starting this business and being new moms?
2: Well, we've also had the privilege of really doing all of this in COVID, so it's. I mean, we've been parenting and working. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, we've been you know working and been parents since scary mommy days and before that, and I would say that was a lot easier because there was help. You could have help now. We're all in the house, all together. My husband has like a real job that pays our bills that he has to tend to. Same thing with mine. Right. And then, so everything else kind of, he's incredibly helpful, but pretty much everything else is my responsibility. And on top of it, we're trying to make this... Show this product really, really grow. So we have things like this during the day. So my husband is working upstairs and I can hear my three year old running back and forth and back and forth and screaming. And, you know, let's all hope and pray that my husband doesn't get a call during any of it because Sebastian will just start screaming at him. So You got to juggle and you have to really be flexible. And thankfully we have a parenting podcast. So occasionally our kids make cameos and it's not the end of the world because that's honest, authentic parent life, but it's definitely challenging. It's definitely challenging. And there are days where, I mean, there's been a couple of times where I have left my house in a fury and just sat in the car and screamed and cried and (laughs) that's okay. And it just needed to happen. And I felt better, you know, but you can do it. We can all do it and we can get through it. It sucks. And it sucks even when your kid can go to preschool in a non-COVID world or when you can have a nanny. It's still hard because then the other issue is, oh, I'm not spending enough time with my child. I'm not seeing them enough. Guess, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's always going to be something. So whether it's the COVID world or some normal world, I don't even know what that is anymore you're going to have your obstacles and it's just i really think being as flexible as possible my mom always brings up Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie RIP that relationship and how they would travel all over the world with their kids constantly and their kids well, look were how good flexible. that turned out actually yeah. <laughs> i know i know like it, it's the marriage didn't work out but the kids were adaptable. I'm sure they had to be adaptable. I'm sure they also had an army of people who could help them. But the takeaway from that is flexibility and adaptability. Mm -hmm. I also think if I may add on to that, that I'm really, really
0: thankful that I'm not doing it alone. That one, that Ashley is, you can definitely be in a business with someone who isn't also a parent, but we understand the specific torture of being underslept Have a kid pooping and, like, throwing it places while trying to do another job. And so when one of us is like, I really can't with this right now. Yeah. We know what it's about. We know we don't take a person. We're like, I feel you. Let me know when you can with this right now and we'll get back to doing it. Or we always say that at least we're not both depressed at the same time. We tend to take turns. (laughs) So far. So far. (laughs) God willing. Um, Who knows what
2: the future holds, Gary. So far, we've both
0: been pretty happy because new president, you know, new life. But it really helps to have a partner that understands everything. Whether it's like, can I just bitch about how terrible my life is right now? Because the thing is, Ashley and our lives are not that terrible. And so no. we can't be like, our lives are terrible to many people because they're not. They're not terrible. Perspective, but for, right? Yeah. But Ashley, and to have that kind of understanding and also to have a partner that will take the weight when things are really bad we've had a lot of we hate to talk about this on the show but we've had a lot of death in both of our families recently and some other stuff illnesses and stuff and to just be able to be like i got you girl don't worry about that whether it's in business or sending funny memes or whatever it is like That's what helps you do a podcast or a business when you have kids is like the right support system. And right now that support system for us is our parents because our parents help watch our kids. We keep a very small COVID bubble so that our parents can be safe. And so we're not getting outside help at all. And we have each other for that kind of support
1: and our partners. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. Do you have a favorite mantra or quote that you live your life by, or just one that you like that inspires you? Mine is
0: ever tried, ever failed, no matter. Try again, fail again,
2: fail better.
1: Mm,
0: Samuel
2: Beckett.
1: (laughs) Ashley, how about (laughs) you?
2: Mine isn't packaged up in a really nice little bow or anything. It's just keep going. Just keep going and keep trying. And, you know, whatever that means for you. For me, that means... Shit happens, just keep going. And don't let fear stop you.
1: Yep, I totally relate to both of what you've just shared. So I love that so much. Any other essential business tips that you can share with our audience? Many of them are thinking about starting a business or thinking about starting a podcast.
2: My biggest thing is just think about all the things you've said to yourself recently, where it's like, had I just done that five years ago, I'd be there already. My husband and I talk about that all the time, where he, he was telling me the other day, he's like, man, in college, my friends and I started a music blog. We could have, what's the big music blog, Carrie? Hitchfork. Yes. He's like, we could have been like pitchfork by now. And I'm like, coulda, woulda, Well, shoulda, you're not. Yeah. you <laughs> You know, I got an email the other day that was like, you're, I started a blog on Tumblr when I got pregnant. And I was like, I'm going to do a blog because that seems easy. And then people will send me stuff. And I just got an email that it was four years old. And I was like, man, had I just stuck with it? Who knows what that man. blog would have been? Just have just to stick start with it. Just start. And yeah. when things are overwhelming, break it down into baby steps that because that you can conquer any little step, baby steps.
0: And I would say my two things are just say the thing. That's also like a meditation thing for me. Like I suffer from anxiety and sometimes just saying the thing that's on my mind really helps release it. And I find in business, just say the thing, like especially working with a business partner, just say the thing, say it because it becomes less taboo. It becomes less scary. It becomes, just say the thing. And then My other thing is just show up. So I am a very prepared person. I do a lot of like thinking and prep before anyone even knows I'm going to do something. And so I'm just not a lazy person and I just know this about me. And so I just have to trust that any kind of thing that I do I've been mentally preparing for it. And so then the next step is just show up. So your fear, your imposter syndrome, all that stuff is going to tell you that you're not ready, that you're not prepared enough, that you didn't do enough work, that whatever, whatever. But remind yourself, just show up. It's amazing if you just show up, what else happens? It's almost like, not to sound like a hippie yoga teacher, but the universe provides when you show up. Yes. It does not provide
1: when you do not show up. Oh my gosh. I could not agree more.
2: Can I add one more thing? Of course. It's, it's about imposter syndrome because I feel like that's such a fad word right now, but I feel like I've always felt that and always felt oh, I'm not good enough to go out for an agent or I'm not this, that, or the other. We all know people in our lives who have accomplished something that we do not think they are qualified to accomplish, okay? It is a fact, and I'm not trying to be not supportive of somebody, but if they can do it. Listen, Emily in Paris
0: is up for a golden globe. I know, okay? I know. So there you have it. <laughs> I know.
2: I, I know somebody who has never produced a thing in her life, and all of a sudden she produced a documentary on Netflix, and I was like, and I'm sitting here scared of what? You know what she did? She showed up. She showed up. He did. She did show
1: up. Mm-hmm. Such such great advice. Thank you both so much for sharing your journey and story. And I can't wait to continue to follow everything that you're doing. And I know all of our listeners are going to go head over and also listen to Mom My final question is: What does being an entrepreneurista mean to each of you?
0: Carrie, you can go first. It means being a boss bitch and doing it yourself. That's yes. what it means. <laughs> It I means, it. you know what? No one's going to provide an opportunity for you.
2: Provide it for yourself. That's mine. You know, no one's going to advocate for you or fight for you the way you're going to do it. So you better be willing to get out there and make it happen for yourself. As RuPaul you
0: says, work, bitch.
2: That's what you got to do. Actually, I, I, I believe Britney Spears that was that. the prophet Britney Spears. <laughs> oh, the prophet. Thank you. Yeah. The prophet Britney yes. Spears. Get it straight. Please. Sorry,
0: RuPaul said work, cover girl, work it yes. girl. Sorry, sorry. Uh-huh. My, my apologies.
2: Know <laughs> your pop idols. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry.
1: How dare I get a Britney wrong? That's so
2: not like me. No. Anyway,
1: where can everyone find you guys, follow you, and of course, listen to Mom Tourage as well?
2: Okay, you can listen to Momtourage, the podcast, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe because we would so appreciate that. That's how we make money. That's how it will happen. (laughs) Yep. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Momtourage Podcast. We just started a private Facebook group called Momtourage Squad. We are now on TikTok, figuring that out. We don't know how to do it. We're trying. It's the most mom thing we've done in a really long time, not knowing how to do something, being like, Yeah, pretty much. It's also mom trash podcast. I think that's everything, right? Oh, we obviously we have a live show called mom trash live from your couch. It's Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook and YouTube.
1: We will be sharing all of your social handles on our social media as well. So everyone go find their socials, their podcast, Momtourage. Thank you both so much for being here and sharing your journey and story. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entreprenistas check out all our latest episodes at entreprenistapodcast.com. Thanks for listening.